Right, Empires of the Future on video. Right. Because the masses demanded it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I, I go that far, but I, there were questions. Um, to anyone who's wondering, uh, so let's see, we've probably, we probably did three or four episodes on audio only. Mm -hmm. um, and technical issues, technical issues have abounded the whole time we've sure, done this sure. uh, podcast, but we just got away from it for a few weeks. So if you have been missing us, then man, we're sorry. Yeah. And uh, we're glad to be back. And those episodes are available on audio only at all the places where you might look for podcasts. My view was that this is a podcast, not a TV show. Oh, was it? And so we're having deep intellectual conversations, and we're not. It's not a beauty pageant. Uh huh. So we're like, well, we'll you know, we'll just have our conversations with our microphones and you know we'll just we'll record it and post it but then people want to see our faces it's weird so i mean yeah. you give people what they want right and so we're here to serve we are we're here, here to, serve. To, to fill your screens uh with our beautiful faces <laughs> but the conversation are going to stay the same we're not gonna, like we're not gonna we're not gonna sword fight or anything or right. do anything like that or cook a, cook a meal right right so not yet. So I guess the, I don't know how the video adds any more flavor to our conversations. Well, it's certainly better. I mean, sure. um, you know, you can look at somebody and tell how their day's going to a degree. Uh, and, yeah. you know, we ran this morning, right. so our day's going pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how long it lasts. I didn't get much sleep last night. So. Oh, bummer. Okay. Yeah. yeah but, uh, you know, this would be. And, you know, I, I enjoy any opportunity to talk about the, the horrors of social media. No kidding. I honestly, reading this story, I was like, man, we could spend easily six months of podcasts talking about social media stories and how it has contributed negatively, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, positive things have happened through social media, but um, the focus today is on the dark side of social media. Yeah, very much so. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this. And... Anytime you can talk about James Madison while talking about boom. social media, right. it's a boom, boom. So, right. Um, all right. So uh, this article is in the Atlantic. We have been doing several Atlantic articles. We have. Which the lots of people know. I became now just became a subscriber to the National Review. Okay. So we may see some National Review articles. It's, in it's the, interesting in that you mentioned year. that. I don't subscribe so far to any... Um, periodicals. I used to subscribe to Time Magazine, and I couldn't keep up with it, and also got a little tired of certain elements of it. Sure. Um, and so I haven't subscribed for years, and I was thinking about earlier this week, we hadn't talked about this at all, but thinking about subscribing to National Review, as it seems to be the one that's rising uh, among uh, all the per periodicals we've been talking about. I don't want a daily newspaper. I know that. I can't keep up with it. You I had the Evansville know. Courier for two years when we moved here. Yeah. Oh my, you want to talk about a pile of papers that ended up Beside yeah. my, I just couldn't. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's cool. Good. Yeah. So we got the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. and you seem to seem like like the Atlantic. You know, I, a lot of stories that come through there, I think, are really engaging They're to uh, our interests, my interests, and um, you know, th there's there's a few crossings on this. Now, there's two authors, right? One is uh, I almost call him a friend of the podcast at this yes. point. At some point in the future, stretch goal or a long term goal, we're gonna, we're going to try to get Jonathan Hyde on this go. podcast. Such a low chance, I would think, but who knows? This guy, shoot for the moon. They you say, know, yeah. he, he is uh, pretty accomplished. He's, he teaches at the uh, NYU Stern School of Business. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, is is in a lot of different places. So if you still haven't heard of him, H A I D T. Uh, he is a social psychologist by training. Uh, he was at uh, 
Virginia uh, University mm -hmm. for, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years before uh, NYU Stern School of Business. And on this podcast, we reviewed a book of his. Yes. Uh, the, the, was it The Righteous Mind? It was The Righteous Mind. Yep. And uh, I, I, I look forward to maybe doing another book at some point. Absolutely. I really enjoyed that conversation and, um, and think that uh, our kind of book tastes are somewhat similar. Yeah. Um, and if, you, if, you're, if you're kind of, I don't know, somewhat unaware of the different publications out there. So the New York Times is more of a liberal um, uh, newspaper, magazine, where the Wall Street Journal is more conservative. Well, then the Atlantic, and, and from a magazine standpoint, is more liberal. And then National Review is more conservative. So, um, and so that's kind of, depending on kind of where the political spectrum those particular publications are. And okay. so when we mention these articles, maybe that will help you a little bit to know kind of where the leaning is sure. uh, generally in these different publications. But the great thing about the Atlantic, while it is more left-leaning, I think it's probably one of them, they have some of the more interesting articles uh, they, they, I mean, talking about the dark psychology of social networks. I, they've had articles about other psychological or sociological issues that, that aren't necessarily political. They may have political aspects to it, but it's not like directly political. Right. Uh, and those are always good when you kind of look beyond just the, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, the you know, White House and yep. Capitol Hill and look beyond that to other issues impacting our society right. and culture and stuff like that. So Atlantic is really good for that. Yeah. Uh, so Jonathan Hyde is one of the authors. The other author is who do you have there? Tobias Rose Stockwell. Okay. Um, and so you, you're the one that came across this article. You, you kind of uh, shared it with me in preparations for this podcast. Um, and so why did you? I was going to ask why did you select it, or why did you think it would be it's important to talk about? Um, first of all, working with young people, you cannot help but be swimming in the oceans of the various social medias. Now, one thing to say about that is that it's my experience, I literally, I don't think I know a single person who actually regularly posts to say, what would you call them, like the big six, yeah. uh, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, I'm missing two. Um, is YouTube considered? No, not really. It's a little bit social, but it's not. So I read recently that LinkedIn is the professional social media. Isn't that something? But I don't know anyone that actually uses it. I have it. a LinkedIn. Yeah. I don't use it um, much. Uh, oh, 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 TikTok. Yes. Yeah, TikTok is yes. the other big one. It's a video. Yeah, and that and, and TikTok is odd because it's 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 like a small YouTube, right? Uh, and which seems to encourage this massive sharing right um and and so it's it's odd I, I i say this to say that what is interesting is it's been really strange to me to talk to people and it's, it's not terribly predictable on the whole what kinds of social media a particular person may like for instance look instagram and snapchat tend younger right facebook tends older, older. but twitter is very taste oriented some yeah. people really like twitter right some people don't have any use for Twitter is, is known as, I know that people in the media yes. really love Twitter because it's, it's, uh, it's like, what, how do they say that? It's like, it's a, it's like, on, it's like on time, like by the minute news and events. So like if, you, if there's a massive event, positive or negative, 
Twitter's a great place to follow because it's it, it, it's hashtagged right. Right. and it just people just keep adding to it and you get this stream and stream and stream and stream of like you know commentary on an event right, right? Uh, like by the second right and you're constantly like refreshing refreshing right. refreshing right. refreshing refreshing like the NFL draft was like not last night I can see a lot of people following it on Twitter. Because I would say they, they probably the draft pick came in on Twitter before it actually even came out right. on the television screen. Right. So, right. Uh, and and so, I don't have a Twitter account, and I don't have an Instagram account, and I don't have Snapchat, and I don't have any a lot of the others. I just have Facebook, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm so scared of any other type of social media to dive into because I feel like it's, it's a massive world that I'm like, I don't know how to use it, nor do I find it. And I think about more, I'm like, will it add any, add any value to my life? My answer yep. is always no. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so the, the first thing to say about this is being in youth ministry. I mean, you're not in youth ministry. I have accounts. I don't, I don't have a Snapchat account. I might. And I, I, sometimes I will just, like my Instagram account, I handed my phone to a student, I said, set it up, I'll have one. And still to this day, I use right. it very rarely, right. but I have it. I think it is, I mean, what you said, it's incredibly involved, but as a window into a whole nother world, it is incredible because I'm telling you, uh, teenagers have so compartmentalized their lives that you can, I can open this up and see a side of the teenagers that are in my youth group that I kind of go, I had no idea you thought this or that, but that's because teenagers have so compartmentalized their life that you can open these things up and see that other world that, strangely enough, while they know me and they know I have this, because obviously you follow people, they sure. follow you back on the whole thing. Uh, well, I mean, frankly, it's hard to keep up with what you've done on right. the, you know, and, and, and who you're sharing what with on right. all these different platforms. And so um, I do not have a TikTok uh, uh, either. I, I've seen it. It is another wild world that is, uh, I think, even more unpredictable than the rest because of the nature of short, snappy videos and then how quickly they can go viral and, and uh, different people. I know, you know, young people and old people who are on TikTok, obviously that one trends quite young as well. Um, but social media is all over the place. And the thing that is so challenging about it, and the thing I think is going to play into this story the most, is that I have noticed people use all of these various social medias in a lot of different ways based upon just what they psychologically feel like right. using it for. Right. I mean, just to start, I am, I am completely confused when I load up uh, Facebook, for instance, and I see someone writing, speaking to, say, their father who has recently passed away. Yeah. And then they put it on a Facebook wall. And I kind of right. go, I did not, I don't know what you're doing exactly. I, I guess, I mean, it, you're writing to all the people that you know about your father, sort of, but you're not. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this is, there are questions that I have. Every time I spend more than 10 minutes scrolling through any of these, I kind of go, you're using this for that? Right. And that is a Let's great... That it probably isn't a true representation of your emotional feelings right. or grief. Right. Because and, and t- typically, I, I read once, there was a, a, someone I knew growing up who committed suicide uh, recently. Uh, I've, I've not talked to this person in, in years and years and years. And he, and he was married. And I w- went on his Facebook account. And his wife was was 
commenting or posting about this event, you know, so a tra- traumatic event, right? And the way that she presented it was such a kind of a positive aspect of his life. It was almost like a eulogy. Mm-hmm. But it was such a, it's like that can't be your actual, like, true, authentic feelings. You're probably angry at him, but you're not going to say that right. on a Facebook post. Yep. You're going to present this idea of celebrating his life. Mm-hmm. But that's, it, there's so much more, it, it's so much more complicated, it's more complicated than that. Yep. And you're just like, I, what? What is the value of this? Yeah. Like when it comes to real people who know you, who you've talked to face to face, you're probably not going to say it in this way. And then people that are on Facebook that may have known him, but yet have not talked to him in years. Why the the need to present in this way? Why not, why why post this when you know people will post eulogies or uh, obituaries from the newspaper yep. on Facebook and things like that. And it's just so it's just a weird it's a weird world when especially when events like that when someone passes away and the person's Facebook account stays active and people just comment on it. Well, uh, yeah, it's just an oddity, right. and I don't really, um, I just yeah, it's just a it's just a I think I feel like in those moments something like an event like that I want to be like extremely private with the people that I know and right. trust, not just publicize that type of thing. And but people find a real desire to communicate that through social media. Yeah. It's, and, quite, and, it's quite odd. And while this is sort of a, a corner uh, of what Facebook is used for, a lot of what this story is about, um, the story is specifically about Facebook. Yep. But Facebook being the longest lived, uh, you know, look, some social media MySpace has died come off. and died. Yeah, right? right. So MySpace died, but being the longest lived platform is showing us the furthest corners of what social media so far can be used for by right. people. Right. And um, he does a great job of opening this story, but to summarize where we are um, and, and why this is so important is that what we are learning is that much of the way people use social media is performative, meaning it's a performance. For instance, you write, no matter if you are doing it in a very stream of consciousness style, you're still a journalist when you write something about yourself or something else on Facebook right. because you are representing it in a certain way. Right. And so it is performative, meaning it is not intimate. It is contrived. And mm-hmm. even don't, don't, if you feel a negative connotation to that, it's contrived in the sense of you are creating it for the purpose of displaying it to other people it's not social. And you in get the a reaction sense. from it. Right. Right. And, and so let, let's introduce this the way he did. I I'll say this article is a great way, a great, great start to the article. Absolutely. I, I, All right. One of my Suppose favorites. this uh, Jonathan Hyde, by the way, is um, Jewish by culture, uh, atheistic by religion. And so he starts this way. Suppose that the biblical story of creation were true. God created the universe in six days, including all the laws of physics and all the physical constants that apply throughout the universe. Now imagine that one day in the early 21st century, God became bored and just for fun, doubled the gravitational constant. What would it be like to live through such a change? We'd all be pulled toward the floor. Many buildings would collapse, birds would fall from the sky, the earth would move closer to the sun, reestablishing orbit in a far hotter zone. Uh, that is a fascinating example. Um, <laughs> so here, here is how he This is where he lands it, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Quote, let's rerun this thought experiment in the social and political world rather than the physical one. The U.S. Constitution was an exercise in intelligent design. The founding fathers knew that most previous democracies had been unstable, oh, French Revolution, maybe, mm -hmm. and long and short-lived. They'd been unstable and short-lived. But they were excellent psychologists, and they strove to create institutions and procedures that would work with human nature to resist the forces that had torn apart so many other attempts at self-governance. Yeah, and then he kind of continues with uh, talking about James Madison and the, uh, which I don't know if I've ever read the Federalist Papers, like cover to cover. No, it made me think I should. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, Joe you know, Hamilton wrote most of them, right? Hmm. Um, and... Uh, so he continues with this kind of Madison number 10. James yeah, Madison wrote about how his fear of the power of, of factions, for which he meant strong partisanships or group interests that inflamed with mutual animosity and made them forget about their, the common good. And so then he talks about, you know, uh, of course, he talks about that Madison said, but because America is so vast and eventually, <laughs> yeah. eventually we'll be able to you know, uh, manifest destiny and, and basically expand the American nation. We'll have a lot of territory to just kind of hide in. And so, like, people will get angry about political issues and things like that. But there'll be so much time for cooling down because of distance. But then they do a great job and say, okay, now that's not... We're so connected. Right. right. Uh, I'll, I'll let you read the continuity read what oh, sure. he, he talks uh, about. Because uh, the way he lands this it's is so, good. so important yeah. and so, so, uh, so precise and, and, and uh, well done. Okay, so, quote, what would happen to American democracy if one day in the early 21st century a technology appeared that <laughs> over the course of a decade changed several fundamental parameters of social and political life? What if this technology greatly increased the amount of mutual animosity and the speed at which outrage spread? Might we witness the political equivalent of buildings collapsing, birds falling from the sky, and the earth moving closer to the sun? America may be going through such a time right now. Oh, so good. So well written. I mean, yeah, to, to describe it, I think if, you know, um, just describing it like buildings collapsing and, the, and, you know, the sky, the birds falling from the sky, that's apocalyptic right. language. And we go, well, you know, that's not happening in the physical world. But on, like, during, especially during Trump's administration, which is, this is written during, right? This is written during right, right. So this, President yes. Trump's administration, this 2009. 2019. 2019, that's right. So, uh, you know, there, in some ways, as the, the Trump presidency is very much a social media phenomenon, um, and he lived and breathed off Twitter. That was kind of his platform to the people, his microphone to the people. Uh, and that's what he used after the 2020 election to talk about the, the discrediting his loss. And, of course, you know, other groups like the kind of the QAnon and other groups have utilized social media to kind of feel, feed that monster. And it did feel like, I mean... When we got to the January the sixth with uh, with the the kind of the you know the the riots or um, you know what are they calling it uh, they basically uh, invaded the Capitol um, that was a social media phenomenon right and all this kind of misinformation uh, and then tweet uh, uh, retweeting and liking and sharing and all this different thing that it felt like an apocalyptic yep. type event. You know, uh, obviously, I mean, it felt like buildings collapsing and birds falling from the sky. Yep. Um, 
and it had that feeling of just mayhem and complete chaos, which you see biblically in the apocalyptic literature, right? And that was a social media creation. Um, and Madison's right. If, if we didn't have that technology and Trump had lost the election in 2020, he had no platform to, you know, galvanize the people, then that probably never would have happened, right? Because there would be people like California and Arizona and all across the country that would have been really angry, and then a week would go by, and then they would cool down. Right. And then life would go on. Right. And so that's just, I think it's just well, well stated how, what, what the world is like currently when big political disagreements happen and there's a technology where people are so connected and they're running into each other that it, it pours out right. in some dangerous ways. And, and it, it certainly does. And, and so uh, you always wonder when you're talking about an article that is um, filled with concerns and warnings, how alarmist to be? How concerned would you, should we be about this? Well, look, one, you should diagnose appropriately what you're dealing with. And what you're dealing with is that um, social media is a tool that whatever it, uh, whatever it originally was designed to do, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, what it's done and what it will continue to do is separate people into groups and then drive dissension, faction, outrage, towards other groups and performance to please my group. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. Mm -hmm. That is, it does a lot of other things, but the thing that is so dangerous is that thing. And so look, uh, this has been discussed, but what I hope we can do today is get a little more clear about what it is that you do, what each of us does when we do put posts on all of these different social medias, that we would have a better sense of how we can be responsible mm -hmm. in what we do. Mm -hmm. And also, look, I don't want to live to please others. Right. Um, I want to live to please God first. Right. And then I want to speak for the purposes of pushing the kingdom forward, not my personal agenda, right. not the agenda of my group, however you define that, my group right. being my family, my group meaning uh, my church, my yeah. group meaning yeah. it's, it's about God first and his kingdom. And then down from there, we have a lot of other things that we share and interest in this. So basically, one thing we're saying today is, look, if you put pictures of cakes you baked on social media, totally fine. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, your interests uh, in, that, in that regard... It was designed for that, and it does that stuff pretty well. But the outrage machine right. is the primary thing that we are talking about right. today. And the danger of communication as performance. Right. Uh, enormous danger in that, and undiagnosed. Right. You sit alone in your apartment or your office, and you put something out there, and we've all had the experience of coming back and it getting more likes than we thought it would, right. or less right. likes than we thought right. it would. What's going on there? That's, right. that's what I think we, where we really want to I love the today. term they use is social meter, social meter mm -hmm. here. And to say that, I'll, I'll just read it. It, says, it describes the inner mental gauge 
that tells us moment by moment how we're doing in the eyes of others. And you know, typically, like that is a you know, if you were if we were meeting together and I presented a proposal, you know, obviously I'm presenting it to you because I want your feedback, and yep. so your feedback on that is, is meaningful to me, right? But we're doing it in a physical place. We're having a conversation about right. it. Right. You asked me. Uh, Clarifying questions, I then answer those clarifying right. questions. We come to understand exactly what we're what I'm talking about. You present rebuttal questions, or like, hey, let me give you an, another angle to think about it. Oh, that's very helpful, but it's personal. It's it's face to face. It there's joking that goes along with it. There's there's kind of right. like right. Um, disagreements, but it's very civil. Well, if you were to do that same thing on Facebook. And you're getting, you're wanting people's reaction to it. Um, so you throw that out there, and instead of it being a give and take, asking questions, instead it's like or dislike. That's right. It's well, tweet, but, but retweet, it's, or it's, it, or comment. See, it cracks me up because even right now, I think Facebook would be a better platform if it had both a like and a dislike button. Oh, yeah. I've been tempted before to literally just write dislike in <laughs> underneath because there's not a dislike button. There, there's we, not a there's listen, not a thumb down. Oh, okay. Um, I'm some on YouTube there are thumbs down. Oh, you're right. There is thumbs down. Yeah, yeah. And, YouTube, and, yeah. and you know, I don't know honestly if that would be uh, you better. Do a but face I can tell like you that what we're doing right now, this exercise in positive psychology that Facebook is about. That no, there are only likes here. It's there's like, are likes. you serious right now? Right. There are only likes in the world. Is that what we're living in? Is that does that? Not <laughs> so if you that? don't like it, you must dislike it. Well. But you, can't. That, yeah. you, have to, you cannot express yourself. Right. We, we want to promote promote yes. likes. We don't want to promote dislikes. It's right. like, okay, but that world, while it may initially sound, you know, this is some of the, the horrors. I mean, John and I, again, he's a social psychologist, but these, these people are trained in how psychology works both on the positive and the negative. Do not think that if you don't give people an outlet for negative reaction, that they therefore don't have negative reaction. That is right. utter nonsense. Right. Okay, well, we don't want them to put it on Facebook. Where This is how psychology works. Where do you want them to take it? Right. If you don't right. give them an outlet, right. they then have to either eat it, just take it down into their own hearts and souls, or go and tell somebody else, because that's what outrage does. It's indignation moves down into your soul... And it has to go somewhere. I mean, this is theological stuff. Yeah. Jesus Christ suffered and died to destroy all the sins of the world. He could eat it and swallow it and right. destroy it. Right. Human beings don't have these sorts of capabilities. No. And this is, this is why this is so dangerous. Because what you end up doing is, I'm angry now. I have to tell a friend of mine personally. Yep. Or, or what? let's start a Facebook argument. Right. Because that'll work out. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> and and this is, in a nutshell, uh, there's a few ways to express the problem, but in a nutshell, that is the problem. Right. Is that uh, the the kind of positive psychology experiment to this point is not working out well. It's not. I mean, he says here, quote, Facebook's early mission was to make the world more open and connected. And in the first days of social media, I remember these days, I remember in the mid-2000s when teenagers started telling me, I have a Facebook. You should get a Facebook. Right. Um, and friends were connected by your common interests, right? Yes. I like these movies or books or music. And so other people who posted this, who put that on their profile as well, there was like a connection, right? right. So it was connect, connected by common interests. Right. 
originally, and then they, I think it talks about it later on, they added the like button. Yes. So yeah, the like button And then was that added. created the, the algorithm that said, okay, you like this, then we're going to give you all yeah, the different right. things that you like, yeah. and yeah. we're not going to give you anything that you dislike, but then again, you have friends who will post stuff that you dislike. Right. So... Right, that all came about, I believe, in 2013, which is identified in this uh, in this article as quote the year that broke the internet. <laughs> the year and, that broke because Twitter had the retweet that was right, prior to then Facebook right. adding the like. Right. So as a, as a way to kind of add their own kind of. Oh, and then, I'm sorry, they had the share. Yep. So you had the like and then the retweet for Twitter, and then you had the share for Facebook. Because you want was you want these things to go viral. Right, you want you right. want them to get to as many people as possible. And and so what we're gonna get into here is okay, but why do certain things go viral and, and what causes that? Um, so here, uh, let me finish finish this. Facebook, Facebook's early mission was to make the world more open and connected. And in the first days of social media, many people assumed that a huge global increase in connectivity would be good for democracy. Now, uh, there, there's the first question as far as, okay, is, is that true? That uh, a huge global increase in connectivity would be good for democracy. The first thing I will say is, Listen, the only quote we've read so far that would have an opinion about that is James Madison's quote, and his opinion would be no. Right. Because you spread right. out the right. United States. The great thing he said about the United States is we got a lot of space, and that way these regional disagreements right. can stay in the region. Right. This is, a, this is this Catholic principle of subsidiarity. Yeah. You want to keep, if you can, I mean, this is so practical and helpful for people. If you can keep a disagreement in your home, yep. keep it in your home. Yep. Handle it. Deal yep. with it. Yep. Because let me tell you, if it goes to school, you bring in Church, friends, yeah. neighbors, yep. other, even other family members. Yeah. Start trying to think, well, let me tell you my opinion about how you ought to handle yeah. this issue. That doesn't. You yeah. want to keep that thing as low as possible yep. because people have opinions. And anybody who's been involved in an organization or even a decent-sized family yep. knows if you want to get a lot of opinions involved, it's going to make this situation way more complicated. Yep. And so subsidiarity, handle it at the lowest level you can. Um, we're not following that principle. So this connectivity has driven arguments, disagreements, making issues more complicated than they have to be because we involve so many opinions. And, and, and from the outset here, then, I don't see any reason to disagree with James Madison that, that in terms of uh, even if Facebook had stayed the way it was from the start, would it be good for democracy? No. I mean, no. connecting people, connecting people leads to a lot of new allegiances, new opinions, and those are the sort of new things enemies. that democracy yep. is designed to harness yep. for the common good, which is where we're going to get here right within the next couple of quotes he talks about. Listen, the American political system and every political system is designed to harness and protect people from each other mm -hmm. towards the common good. Because while we all, in our ignorance, think, I know the common good, I know what would be best for other people, that's, you don't. Um, not everybody ought to be a, you know, a senator. Uh, not everybody ought to be a mayor or a governor, because it's a very hard job to oversee a great number of people. It's a very hard job to oversee a small number of people. Right. And promote their common good. Know how much freedom to give them, but also how much safety to require of them. What laws are just? Look, these are harder questions than we often make them out to be. And so that issue right there alone, to make the world more open and connected, um, 
starts the matter. But then what I think is probably the most important sentence in this entire uh, mm -hmm. article, quote, the problem may not be connectivity itself, but rather the way social media turns so much communication into a public performance. Yeah, I, mean, I think it gets into some details of like typically the tweets or the posts that make that typically go viral mm -hmm. are ones that have language in it that is moral grandstanding or using terminology that are that are controversial, right? That are uh, I think we call it tw uh, uh, clickbait, yep. right? It's yep. it's hey, have you heard this dot 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 or did you hear what this person did? Dot dot dot. Hey, check this video out. You can't. Be I can't believe. Dot dot dot. Yep. So it's all this kind of language, or yep. I'm outraged by dot dot dot, and that type of language. Even if you're, you're just like, oh, I have to read more. Like I have to continue to engage with this because I wonder what the end of the story is. I wonder what the end of the event is, or the of the, of the statement is. And when that becomes the the because uh, if you want more likes, you want people to to say you're the people that are surround you say, ah, I like what you just said. I want to engage with what you just said. Well, then if that's what people are wanting in their post, if they didn't want that, they wouldn't post it. Right. They want some feedback. They want people to validate the picture or whatever it is or the statement. And so therefore you now have been conditioned, you've been trained, you've been discipled and how to get go viral with some posts. And so you know what language to use almost subconsciously. Yep. And so you start adding this language and then you get the, the, the likes or the retweets and you're like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And you continue on that. Yep. And if you don't get that, then you're like, okay, I'll make sure not to say that way next time. And you can, I mean, I've done this before. I've, I'm guilty of this. Like, I hear something or I read something. I'm like, oh, I know this is a hot take. Right. Hot take. And then, oh, all these people like it, you know? Right. And it's like, okay, it's exactly what I wanted. It's what I expected right. is I wanted to, to post this hot take yep. and seeing if anyone would bite on it. Right. And, and isn't that something that while... Uh, the tools that Facebook provides for your posts are likes, what will get you the most views? So think about this, you know, you, you work with the campus at USI a lot. Would it get more views? I'm gonna let you, you keep talking. I'm gonna plug that computer up. You oh, just okay. keep chatting. Sure. I don't wanna do that. Um, what would get more views? If you wrote a letter uh, or wrote a, an article that said three things I wish USI would improve or Five things I'm so tired of, I'm about to quit about USI. Three things I wish they would improve, or five things I'm so tired of. Uh, we respond to negative emotional language. Uh, this, is, uh, this article goes through this issue at length, that we respond to negative emotional language. Uh, and our response, I mean, negative emotional language, is, is fundamentally necessary. You have to express, you know, look, if it were too hot in here, that does not do me any good to say, hey, Matt, do you feel good? What do you mean? Well, do you, are you comfortable? I mean, with what? Yeah. The temperature. And you would immediately go, what, are you uncomfortable with the temperature? Right, because it's too hot? Right, right. And, oh, I'm right. glad so you rather, agree with me. <laughs> right, this is, not, this is not a good way to communicate, no, no. to say this. No. But you know what gets, gets interest? Man, Matt, it's hot in here. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And, and so what we do so often, what is what is rewarded on social media is hot takes, as yep. is what you just said. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> because we've been rewarding, and like you said, everybody knows the system. Yep. And so while we dis- uh, design the system to promote likes, the system itself is promoting negative yep. hot takes. Right. Not nuanced, nope. not thought out, nope. not, uh, not with a plan to engage change in a positive manner. We want this change right now. And degrees, I don't, I, listen, I'm not going to try to communicate by degree here. I'm going to get, I want to communicate this so over the top that I can get what I want as quickly as possible. And if I have to villainize someone, if I have to demonize someone, it's their problem. Yeah. Because I'm sitting at a screen. Right. I'm not worried about other people. Yeah. So, I'm, not gonna, I'm not seeing that person. They're just a name on a screen or right. just a, a person. Let's see if it's, it's someone like from more the public sphere. And you want to criticize them, right. you're probably never going to meet that person. Right. Um, you, you don't have to engage them on a on a statement they've made that you disagree with. You're never going to have to interact with them. And I'm not saying what they said is is proper. You may be right, but the per- again, people will post stuff on Facebook to get the rise. Yeah. And because, again, I think there's only a few times, sometimes to be funny, right? You're like, oh, this is a funny video or this is a funny picture. I'll post it and ha, 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 ha. Or, oh, look at this. This is a cute picture of our kids. Ha, 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 ha. And our families, you know, our friends. Oh, oh call that's great. But if you have like a statement that you're like, I'm going to post this. Yep. Well, typically, I would say 99.9% of the time, you know that this statement that you're about to type in well, is you're going to grandstand it. Yep. I, I got a hot take. Yep. Here I go. And that's exactly why you want if you if, if that wasn't the intention, if you just had a statement, you're not going to go, oh, I got to paste this. I gotta, everyone has to know in my social media sphere. You would just probably tell a friend right. and say, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. I, tell, I, I have this opinion about something. What do you think? Yep. And then you would get it out of you, and the person would respond, either go, you're crazy, or what are you talking about, man? You're just... You're off it, or whatever. You get a you get a little interaction, and that would that would be it. And you move on yeah. with your life. But in this, you just get to post it to all these people, and then see what happens. Yep. You know. And I think it's it's dangerous because some of the stuff that is being posted is pretty innocent, and it doesn't really lead to anything major. However, when you have a culture of just constantly people with that intentions and that goal, and but yet the stakes are higher. It leads to what happened January the sixth, and right. you know where people are basically have been built up in a, a, a view that the United States election system is f- is completely um, corrupt. Right. And if you believe that an election system is completely corrupt, right. and you all voted, and your vote doesn't count now, right. it has no value because the government will just decide on its own who wins and who loses. Right. What do you think is gonna happen? Right. People are gonna get mad. Right. And so this. And then is people are telling way. each other they're mad, and they're like, "Hey, why don't we do this? Let's go to Washington and show our anger." Right. And, and so we can very much put a point on what is uh, one of the major dangers of social media as it now stands. Well, it can radicalize. Yeah. People, within uh, days, weeks, uh, it, it, it that machine now exists, and. We should not, uh, well, it is dangerous to just trust your thoughts, 
to this because of right. the disembodied thoughts. Because the issue, I mean, I, I was thinking about the difference uh, that we talk about in kind of communication studies, uh, sermon prep and teaching and all these different settings between talking at people versus talking with people. Facebook was designed, social media was designed for talking at people. Right. I'm throwing rocks with no intention of you coming back with anything. Right. It hits you with it, and, and it does that the best. What it doesn't generally do with any reliability is drive relationships. In fact, it more commonly is destroying or lessening relationships. Let's not use apocalyptic language where it's not warranted. It diminishes relationships. Right. It's more, it can be more uh, counted on to decrease, diminish, destroy relationships than it can to increase, promote right. uh, relationships. And that is incredibly dangerous because it does communicate, but it does not promote relationships. Would you say, based off your personal experience, has social media brought any positive or built up or, or um, edified in any way a relationship? Um, or even relationships. I could, I could summarize what it does is it's very difficult when you meet people to find out all of their interests. It is, it is a handy way to see d various different interests that people have and then know what you share. It gives fodder for later personal conversation. Sure. So you could use that that way. It gives a little bit of data in that way. Sure. Um, I, every once in a while I'll have, uh, you know, uh, we're talking specifically about the wall and that. People send messages through Facebook. It's very similar to email. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and so, so just so we're clear what we're talking about today, I, for me, over the 15 years, let's say, that I've been using social media, um, it has provided a minor enhancement. And so I'm not going to say that it's, it's all negative. I, w I am going to say I've been suspicious from the start about the negative uh, implications. I have been reticent to unfriend anyone because I don't want it to do that to me. Right. Meanwhile, I most people I know have gone through series and cycles of unfriending people and letting it lead to disconnection. How dangerous it is to go through a process of connecting with a lot of people. And especially thinking about, I've had a lot of phases of my life and I have Facebook friends from every phase of my life. And then what you, you have curated those people down to the people that agree with you. That is something that I have not done. Yeah. And I would encourage that, listen, that's not wise for your life to curate and, and, and massage a platform so that every time you turn it on, it says to you, you know what? Everything you think is right. Yeah. Oh, it's so dangerous. That is so dangerous. I'm trying to think of, I just can't think of any, any relationships that have been built up through social media. Like yeah. most of my relationships with people, I've been built up in person with them, okay. right? And people that I don't see anymore that I used to be friends with, it's not like we've really kept up well on Facebook, right? Sure. They, they may see pictures or they may, you may be able to see a part of their life from afar, but yeah. To be honest, like, it doesn't really do anything for you because you, ah, oh, I used to be a friend I had in, in middle school. Man, I wish we were just, I wish we were still friends. Yeah. I wish we were, I was able to see him. I have a friend from Virginia and he lives in South Carolina. He works with Chick-fil-A. His name is Jonathan. And he sometimes will like, like a picture or something like a picture of him. Yeah, sure. But I haven't talked to him yeah. in years. Yeah, sure. I've never met his kids. I've never met his wife. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to his wedding because we, 
you know, after middle school, my, my parents moved to Tennessee, and I never I saw them sporadically when I would go back to visit grandparents up there, but very little, like a day or maybe I spent yeah. a night with them. But after we got to college and stuff, that ended, right? We didn't see each other anymore. And, and like, they're not a friend. I mean, they're if you saw them on the street, you'd say, hey, man, it's great to see yeah. you. And, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm going off this way. Well, I'm going back that way. And then that's it, right? That's yeah. how it will work. Um, and Facebook doesn't really... It's not meant to build a relation up, you know, and I, I have friends from Sweden that I met when I was living there and we're friends on Facebook, but we don't talk. Right. And and so all these different things. And so the only people that I think that have the, the friction on Facebook are people that should just go ahead and talk to each other face to face because they see each other quite often. Okay. Family members, uh, friends from church. Or people that they're not friends with, but people they do go to church with. Yep. Those people, they should probably just say, hey, why don't we go get coffee? I saw you posted something that I disagree with. And instead of just having some fight, hey, why don't we sit down and talk about it? Yep. And 99.9% of the time, it's miscommunication, not contextualized well. And yep. people go, man, we actually agree more than we disagree. Right, sure. And, and I, I think I- that's, the, that's the one thing that is just Facebook has... It's there, but I don't know necessarily to make the world more open and connected. I don't know if it succeeds at that. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say. Sorry, I hear everything that you're saying, and I, and, I, and, I, and it's there's so many things that are true about this. Uh, the way I can tell by the way you're talking about the way you and I want to use Facebook is different, and that's fine. I think it can be used for a lot of different things. Sure. For me, it has been positive, even more so now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's certainly been both, po- both positive and negative. Um, but some of the positives are uh, I'll have someone that I went to high school with 22 years ago, and I haven't seen them since then. But we'll say, you know, my daughter has cancer. Oh, yeah, and, sure. And okay, I'll, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'll be able to write there sure. and say, listen, I'm praying for you today. Yeah, and yeah. obviously that's appreciated. And, yeah, and sure. those are things that I, I, since I have noticed, I mean, for instance, five, six years ago, uh, music minister at First Southern, Reggie here, said something really insightful. He said, you know what I think of Facebook? He said, I think it's uh, like a small town newspaper, yeah. but everybody gets to write their own. Right, their own article. And I thought, you know, that I could think of my own small town newspaper, yeah. and I go, You're, there's a that's lot pretty good. of truth in that. And I've thought about that, because then it's, if, if that is what it is, and in a lot of ways that's a very astute uh, assessment of what it is, okay then, use your abilities yeah. for good. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's a part of, I think, what we want to say too is, there are a lot of ways you could curate Facebook rather than just unfriending people who disagree with you. I would love if, um, I, and maybe there is a way, but to separate it into the, the people that I've met at different phases and be able to cycle through all the people I think you can do that with. in the friends like, well, I'd have categories. To, I'd have to categorize them. Like, could I do it according to Harrisburg High School, are you saying? I believe so. Wow. Okay, well. I believe so. I haven't taken the time. Yeah. Um, That's the issue. Like, you know, no one's going to invest that much time. Right. Yeah. But I think there are ways to curate it that would be better. But the way we naturally curate it is... Get the disagreement away from me. Right. Show me the people who agree with me so right. I can feel right. Because that's the issue. I mean, you talked about the sociometer a little while ago. Um, Mark Leary coined that term. And, and, and listen to this. Uh, you talked about the grandstands and, and how it's gone from c- connecting people to. What about when we erect on the sides uh, this gladiator arena and then say, all right, all the people who think this, I mean, it doesn't even have to be. We've talked uh, about the way you post it. Look, if you get on, a, on Facebook and talk about abortion and you think, I'm just going to say something sensible about a charged topic, 
come on. Well, I, I, since <laughs> and, you brought and it's that up, just go well. You yeah, since you brought that up, calm and peaceful. Yeah, I'm gonna tell this story because it's happened recently, and I posted it I, again. Hot take. Here I go. I just couldn't resist. Someone posted something on abortion. It was a pro-choice position, and literally the person said, "No argument." Someone disagreed with it. Yes, yeah. and if some of that I knew. And the, 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 the person who made the statement said, this is not for any argument's sake. And I just went like, oh, all right, hold on a second. So I go, by the way, I didn't say this. I said this like in a general way. I said, if you post anything on Facebook, realize this is a, you're, you are a publisher. You're publishing right. your thoughts. If you don't want people to dislike it, don't publish it. Right. You're putting it out in the, in the free market of ideas. Right. And when it gets attacked... <laughs> Okay, we're not attacking you personally. Right. It's, on a fa- it's on a computer. No one's punching the face, but no one's spraying red paint at you or anything. Right. Have but, you heard of a diary or a journal? Yeah, These right. things keep exist. them. Yeah, <laughs> or tell that to a personal friend. Right. Like, don't. Right. So I think it's just I don't even know if people. Maybe this is cutting back what you're talking about curating. I think if you're going to use Facebook or social media and you want to, you want it to be a positive. You want it to produce positive. Positivity. You want it to be something that produces good. Yeah. Then I think you have to, like anything else, like you have to, okay, all right, here's my audience and here's my goal. Yep. And I think if you don't do those things, you're just going to start publishing just random thoughts yep. and random pictures and things without any sense of order or any focus. Yep. And I don't know if you can, at the end of the day, can say that you utilize social media for the, for the good of society or people that you're friends with or anything like that. So I think people thought about that and go, all right, who's my audience? What's my goal? If any of those two answers are my audience is people that I disagree with and my goal is to make them really mad. (laughs) Maybe if you go, as it talks about this article, maybe if you go, do you really want to post that? Right. And then maybe Facebook or Twitter goes, do you really want to post that? And says with a warning, do you really want to post that? And you go, you know what? I don't want to post that. Right. That, actually is kind of mean and kind of rude. Right. I don't know. I don't think this will be taken well. I think there are some people that I know that I'm definitely thinking of that I kind of have a want a revenge position on. I want to kind of say something because they made me mad before, so I'm going to use this to make, to make them mad. And I, actually, I don't know that's probably a good thing. I'm yeah. probably going to just not post it. And so that would probably help people. Right, right. Um, yes, there is There is so much there. Um, so let, let's let's really define sociometer and what's going on with this. All right, so quote, the social psychologist Mark Leary coined the term sociometer to describe the inner mental gauge that tells us moment by moment how we're doing in the eyes of others. Yes, so so here's the issue. Look, uh, why did Mark Leary need to coin the term sociometer? This exists in the real world. Everybody has a measure of how much they esteem others and how much they listen when certain people talk. Uh, Now, the tangent that they take on this, Mark Leary's opinion is, he says, from an evolutionary standpoint, esteem has no purpose, but we think we need it, so we're going after it. Look, uh, this is where we diverge as biblical Christians because I do think esteem has a purpose. I think that esteem, the category of esteem, is is the kind of under category to the big biblical category of glory, right. honor, right. Uh, fame, right. prestige, worth, value, worth, all that value. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> it is it is shocking. It, 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 as, as much wisdom is in the first kind of like two-thirds of this article, to arrive here and to go, we have, there, 
there's no purpose for esteem. Right. Everything is of equal weight. Are you serious right, right. now? Right, right. That's, that's just a lack of insight about the way, well, there's a, there must have been a focus only on this element in social media and then a lack of fo focus on real life because this category is enormous in the Bible, the yeah. category of glory. Yeah. Um, in, in, in one of the most informative things, and this is a rare occurrence, but uh, the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, and that, that's important because they knew something, that glory and weight, that's the, weight, the, the word for heaviness, honor, and, and fame, all of that wrapped up into this one concept in so many ways defines how we operate in our everyday lives. Yeah. And we can't help but act according to what we believe is the most important, valuable thing today. That's, that's literally the next thing that you do. If your stomach tells you, hey, you haven't eaten in seven hours, and you feel... Right. Well, that, that is driving you to go, something really important needs to be done. You need to go eat. Right. And we are driven by these sorts of things mm -hmm. all the way to moving beyond basic internal to the, the capacity that our mind has to assess goals, long-term, short-term. And, and all of this is according to our, our sociometer, but our, even more importantly, our inner compass to what is the greatest good? Right. Who is the highest? Who should I be listening to above all else? So that's, this is huge. I wonder if, I wonder if uh, and this is, I mean, I don't know Mark Leary, and I don't know exactly why he made that observation, but there, I, I don't. Did you make this? Did you write this? Yes. While Larry yes. focused on. Okay, I, I thought it was interesting. That you identified honor shame, because that is a Eastern Asian cultural um, uh, reality. Where the West, we are typically in the past, we have been guilt innocent culture. However, I, I think it's interesting you made this observation because. And we've actually talked about this in some missiology discussions about gospel. Because typically when you're in an, an honor-shame culture, the way you share the gospel is a bit different because you're talking about the shame of sin and how Christ took on that shame on the cross. And now we are honored as a son of God because of what Christ did, right? We're right. unified with the, the glory of Christ. Right. And so there's an honor cha change there. We're no longer shameful, but right. now we're honor right. uh, uh, looked at as honorable in the eyes of God. Right. Well, in the West, we don't we don't really deal with, oh, I feel shameful towards my parents or, that, or, that, yep. or my boss, yep. but I feel guilty. I did something wrong. Right. I, there's a debt, right. right? So we share the gospel with the idea of my debt and sin, how yep. Christ cleansed that on the cross. But the discussion now, because of social media, we have now, in a sense, are evolving into an honor-shame culture. It, it is it's fascinating. It, yes. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, ooh, this could be a whole big long, and there, there's a lot to unpack here, and who knows what the next few weeks will bring. But it's, it's as if the individualistic direction that has been going on in Western culture basically for the last 500 years has had a bomb exploded in the middle of it, right. which is what you're seeing with right. social media that says, you individuals who've been telling yourselves, all I need to worry about are inner guilt, and, and then also kind of like, hate and and it's been all about innocence guilt and love and hate right and that's driven right. so many of our cultural notions right and then literally in the past 20 years let's say this bomb which we were so unprepared to deal with right 
the return of the honor and shame system. Uh, individuals, I mean, if you're not familiar with these sorts of terms, it's just as simple as this. If you live in an individualistic culture, you can say, oh, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of me. Right. I'm an individual. I'm autonomous, my own yeah. You're not, right. but you can live that way as long as you don't have persistent people getting in your face telling you otherwise. Right. Look, our, uh, the, the psychological lies we've been telling ourselves for a lot of years are catching up with us now because you can't get away from your story anymore. People know you, and they're able to keep track of you. Your reputation now right. matters way right. more than it did 20 years ago. Right. It's shocking for those of us who lived 20 years without social media because we can see the change. But for kids now growing up in this, they've got to look at anyone older and go, why do you think this is so strange? Yeah. And, and a lot of the anxiety that we've talked about among young people is directly related to this yes. because they are not living in an individualistic culture so much anymore. This is this thing that is, they have been so poorly prepared for of dealing with an honor shame culture is here in force and they swim in it yep. every day. Can't yep. get away from it. Right. And we haven't prepared them. So it's going to drive a massive change. But all we're doing so far is mostly we're not honoring. We're shaming. Right. And that is, that is one, another way to summarize. What is the problem? What can you do differently with social media? Honor people more. Right, Stop right. trying to control people because it's right. manip- trying to shame people is manipulation. Right. It's not love. It's not encouragement. And, and that's what we are relying on in general through social media right now. And it is such a huge problem. And I get excited about it because I have seen so many young people's lives not just, not just d- d- disappointed or discouraged, destroyed. Right. You know, a young lady who posts a picture that might be inappropriate, and then it's just Instagram everywhere. Yeah. A young man who is doing something horrible or stupid or, boom, everywhere. Right. No, no college entrance. No, I mean, so many right. that you and I have, have dealt with. In the, in right. The, and, and are these kids prepared for this? No. And is it comparable to, well, kids didn't know if you drive a car and hit it? Well, it, <laughs> listen, you're, there are things about your senses that tell you when you're in a fast car, maybe I'm doing something dangerous. Your senses are not aware of what social media and how it operates. I love how they observe it's like giving a four-year-old a loaded gun. Yes. And I think children are, are, and young adults are given this, this power, but not really taught how to use it. Yep. And so, therefore, they use this power as in, in a culture that says you're an individual, you're autonomous. Yep. This is for you to post your thoughts and feelings. Right. You post those thoughts and feelings Maybe for whatever reason, and they, yeah, maybe, maybe they are intentionally immoral and wrong, but you're not thinking that, right? You're autonomous, man. You're just posting this to your friends, ha, ha, ha. And then you're, yeah, you're some hotshot, whatever. And then some company's like, yeah, yeah, we, we found that post, by the way. Right. You're not working here. You're never working here. Shame, 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 shame. Yep. Where is even the access to the honor? It's gone. Yep. The worth has been taken away. Your value has been stripped, stripped completely. Right. So where do you do? Right. I mean, how do you recover from that? Right. In a world that says, you're autonomous, you're an individual. You know, you've done no wrong. Your truth is your truth. Their right. truth is their truth. But at the same time, your truth can be shamed. That's right. And you're like, what do I do with this? Right. right. So Not good enough. Um, like, yeah. So, so he follows this, this, uh, this quote by saying, quote, social media with its displays of likes, friends, followers, and retweets has pulled our sociometers out of our private thoughts and posted them for all to see. I don't know where your moral compass is, but now your measure of esteem in a certain sort of way, uh, social esteem, social media esteem is now on display. 
you can tell how many followers someone has on Twitter, uh, how many friends someone has on Facebook, how many likes a certain post. And here's the thing, look, YouTube is monetized. Right. You, if you can get a lot of likes on YouTube, it leads to money for you and stardom for right. some people. Yeah, absolutely. This is not just, um, how far has this gotten? It's gotten all the way to massive financial success and financial ruin. Yep. for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, this train has left the station. The yep. question is, how do we make it better? And how can we wisely deal with it? Um, so this is challenging stuff. How do you think, I mean, I'm not sure if you're, at, uh, obviously you've talked about this and we've talked about this in little details about, you're a huge Star Trek fan. Yes. Uh, and you talk about the, really the, the vision of the show, which is to talk about culture and society using this kind of science fiction kind of apparatus. If, if Star Trek, the next or the original Star Trek, the original series, if they were to, if that show was to be like re, redone, completely redone, yeah. right? Not like fire, fire, shoot, shoot, war, 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 like the new Star Trek movies and shows are, but it, it, it kind of used that same, Gene Roddenberger is still alive and then he's formulating the show. How do you think he would have, talked about or dealt with this particular issue it is that's really challenging because that's a great pla platform by which to present the dark psychology of social media it is the the strange thing you know the original star trek uh came came about in the 60s which was a time of utopia and gene roddenberry was certainly a utopian Right. This is a guy who said, you know what, sure, there's a lot of things going wrong, but I'm going to envision a, a great future. Right. And he just sort of dis, disregarded problems. And so how do you see a positive future? Well, look, <laughs> how do we see it uh, as Christians is we see that there is hope beyond your shame and beyond your guilt. Um, Star Trek is not doing well because... The things that our culture does well are dystopian stories. Yeah. Think, ask yourself how many movies in the last five years have come out that were dystopian right. versus how many that were utopian. We're so cynical now at this point right. Right. That, that, that that's very challenging. Um, look, there's nothing wrong uh, with the idea of the original Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation because it's, it's utopian. The values don't make sense. Like, these people are all working 16-hour days. Why? <laughs> because of the Prime Directive, I guess. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, and but so, don't they interact with, like, other worlds who's, who bring up some of the problems with the 60s society, right? I mean, like, either it be, like, traditional religion or whatever mm -hmm. it was, right? They, they would kind of, you know, pick at mm -hmm. and, and, and that type of thing. But, you know, I could foresee some, like, world that they interact with who had a, a society built like this. Oh, yeah. Whose society was based off the, the, the master of the world was like this, basically this computer system. Mm -hmm. And those who were elevated in the society and those who were pushed down were based off likes and dislikes. Yeah, sure. Or, or grandstanding yeah. or whatever it was. And you see like the crew interacting with this world and then doing what? Trying to solve it or yeah. trying to be a point of change yeah. in the society that has obviously is not aware of the values that the Star Trek Federation Right, and this is, is being yeah. done in shows like Black Mirror or Black Mirror uh, Philip K. One. Dick, yeah. Electric Dreams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and those are useful. Um, Does that, that, that's a we, good example of that, that show that's really, I think taken some of the essence of Star Trek and 
bring right. it into the world. And we need to be paying attention to those sorts of stories because we are moving toward that future. Uh, we are for that future towards. We are moving daily towards a variety of futures that we haven't thought through at all. No. And we are feeding ourselves into them by the way we behave with media and with technology because we are moving towards integrating this with our bodies, you know, with uh, uh, visual, uh, or, sorry, virtual reality, uh, reality augmentation. Uh, and, and so that's, 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 that's a great question. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing um, how this can be done because, as you said, um, Star Trek has turned into um, Star Wars in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, you know, a lot of shooting, a lot of uh, the, the social commentary. Um, we are so divided that the social commentary is so far uh, only on the left and, and that the social commentary is no longer what exp an exploration of the issues. It is demonizing the opposition just like so many other TV shows. That's what current Star Trek largely is. Um, and so, yeah, it's challenging stuff. Um, I... I love sci-fi, and, and, and sci-fi can do these things for us, exploring issues. Right. It's just that we haven't, um, it hasn't been doing it for us lately. Yeah, um, I think there needs to be uh, somewhat of a, a baseball bat whack at people, because I think there's, a, the, the, the other issue, that this article doesn't bring it up, because it, it has a certain framework by which it's trying to present its information and content, but the other part of this that I think creates the, the real big problem is that people are addicted to it. There's yeah. an addiction to this. Mm -hmm. like, People will get off Facebook and then get right back on because they're they're addicted to the the feedback, the mm -hmm. the moral grandstanding, and and the seek of approval of of an audience. And when it's like you know people in show business, right? You can't just hang it up, right? The f the audience, even like Jerry Seinfeld, the cynical Jerry Seinfeld, he does his TV show that was highly successful, and what does he do? He goes back to doing stand up because he needs the laughter of the audience. Not only does he do that, he goes, oh, I had another deal. I'm gonna do a TV show. Called celebrities uh, having uh, car celebrities uh, what, uh, cars and uh, what is it comedians and cars having coffee? Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Because why he wants to have a he, he continues wants to present comedy and his positions on things to an audience. Like the, everyone wants the audience feedback. I mean, people want it so badly, and they're not going to just be able to go, "Yep, drop, turn that off. I'm never going back to it." Right, yeah, because. You want that feedback. You constantly need that that feedback and that approval, that social me that social meter to be. Like, how do people think of me? What do people view me? And 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 so let me let me go back right on Facebook and let me post these things right. so that people can respond. Right. And that's addictive. Right. And 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 I guess uh, so. That's another thing that we are saying is that um, when you have relationships in your life value those relationships and count as more valuable feedback that comes in person from yeah. people that you know know that whatever likes you may get on, on social media are worth uh, one one hundred of right. it, what, it, what it is to have a real relationship right. with someone who's, who's looking at you in the eye right. um, and that and that we cannot look for mental health to come. Uh, you, you can only, you should, it, it is the wisest course of action for you to expect negative mental health associations through social media. It is, it is harsh on your soul. Yeah. It is not good for you on the whole uh, because of all the things that we've been talking about. It rewards outrage. Right. Outrage is not good for you. Moral outrage, moral outrage 
is something that we see Jesus Christ express once out of the, let's just summarize by saying, thousand interactions we have in the Gospels. Right. And that's the cleansing of the temple. Right. And, and there are smaller uh, places. There, 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 are, there are other instances. Look, with, with the Pharisees, he did. I mean, there are seven woes he pronounces on them. Right. That is moral outrage. Right. He says, I'm, do- I'm done with you. Right. I've, I've given you right. the most loving interactions. Right. And the last loving interaction I can give you is to say, you have one more step before you're off a cliff. Right. And that is loving to right. say to someone, right. you're about to walk off a cliff. Right. And I pronounce woes on you right. because you are nearly dead inside. Right. And that, all of this, by the way, the biblical category for what you, if you are a moral outrage uh, production facility, you're a Pharisee. Right. That that's is, who you're that, associating with. That's right. They yeah. used their their power right. to morally yeah. oversee people in a negative way by trying to control people through shame, through heaping heavy burdens on them. What did Jesus criticize them for? You people heap heavy burdens right. on others, but you will not lift a finger to help them. That is not the way. Right. That's 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 not that's not loving, helpful. Right. It brings nothing to anyone, but in our own broken selves, that's naturally what we do. Right. We we want to heap burdens on people because in our pride we go, I want a world that's just like me that works right. for me. Right. That's not the world that we have. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, you could take a lot of those interactions between Jesus and the Pharisees and just kind of like, if that was on a social media platform, I mean, they did. What do they do? Their intentions just about every time, was clickbait. Yep. Right? The, in- the intentions of their heart was to mock, to present a question, not to because they were interested or curious. No, because they wanted to put Jesus in a trap. Yep. They wanted to, to mock him. They wanted to present some moral grandstanding, right? Yep. To, to a T. They were, they were professionals at yes. moral grandstanding. Right. Um, and, and Jesus would always get right to the issue of their heart. Their heart was the yep. issue. Yep. And so I think if you're a Christian here and, and your major use of Facebook or whatever social media platform you use is to grandstand, then I think you have to look yourself in the mirror and go, who am I, who am I more like? Right. You're more like the Pharisees right. than you are Christ. You're right. definitely more like the Pharisees than you are the other characters in the Bible who came to Jesus looking for mercy and grace. Right. Um, or when Jesus is calling uh, his people, and especially throughout the New Testament, to to do what? To seek and pursue good and love for people, not to position yourself above others. Right. I mean, Paul is quite clear. I was the, the Hebrew of Hebrews, right? I was I was right in every way. I was zealous in good works. Yep. I was blameless. Yep. However, I count that all rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, right? I could grandstand if I really wanted to. I'm a professional. I've been trained to be professional in grandstanding. However, I realize that is sinful and self-righteous and not godly, and I want to be godly in my actions because Christ died for me and has called me, commissioned me to share the gospel with the Gentiles. So therefore, I will seek the good of others in proclaiming his gospel and speak nothing but the cross because any other thing is just me grandstanding, and that's sin. And so uh, I think that there's a lot that we can, I think there's probably a a lot that we need to do in regards to how we're using social media Mm -hmm. 
and spend some time in prayer um, and getting pastoral help on this. It's like, hey, I wanted this to be something that I use for good. Right. How do I do that? Right. What are some biblical principles by which? We have biblical principles. There's, the Bible is filled with principles that are perfectly relevant to social media. We right. don't have to go looking for them. They're right there quite, quite clearly in most of the New Testament scriptures or the Psalms and all the different other places. Right. I mean, I want to prescribe kind of one more uh, purpose statement for how to use Facebook. Look, go after nuance. Go after truth. Ask yourself, if I wanted an actual connection here, what would I say? How would I? D- don't go into it going, how can I show everyone else I'm right? Or how can I, how can I say something that elevates me? Or even notice in yourself that, that tendency to go, I'm going to say something and people are going to love it. Listen, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, pleasing people is a road to nowhere. People are not the, the top of the mountain. Right. Uh, uh, pleasing people is something that we all naturally have a desire for, but that desire is only good for us in an ordered manner, that God is the, the highest. I mean, if I, if I could rewrite Facebook's purpose statement, it would be something like truth, goodness, beauty, connection, yeah. Facebook. Right. Look, if you, if you don't have these higher goals, it, it's going to self-destruct. It will. Um, and, and that's... This is what we're seeing. This is a train that's left the tracks. And we all who are using these social media platforms are on it. I have friends who are my age and aren't on there. And you know how this is. There's plenty of people who aren't using it at all. And that's fine. But they still live in the world of people who are using it. And so we are where we are in regard to this. Yeah. Well, very good article. Thanks for sharing it. It's been really good to talk about. And uh, uh, this is on The Atlantic. If you want to read it yourself, The Dark Psychology of Social Media. And hey, this is two podcasts in two weeks. Hey, that's impressive for us. <laughs> Compared to yeah, yeah we yeah. had a tough April, but May is looking better. Yeah, absolutely. We're not in May though. It just seems like we're going into May with right. a good rhythm right. and like right. But by the way, we're, we can't meet next week because I'm graduating at Southern. Really? So yeah. Well, good. So so we I just said all that. And we're going to get all the <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll meet earlier on in the week and yeah. get, it, get it done. So, But uh, anything else that you want to? Um, so th- thank you to all of our listeners. I actually had uh, a couple different people reach out and actually ask why we didn't have video, like you mentioned. So that's why our video is back. Look, we pay attention. Um, Maybe we start wearing costumes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See if people are actually watching. We're going to have to get some production help if these are the ideas yes. you're coming up with. Um, so, you know what I think we should do also, just in case uh, someone does want to contact us and doesn't know how, there's a lot sure. of different platforms. Um, my email is uh, jackson.vandyke at gmail.com. Uh, this is a, an easy way to contact me. I don't know if you want to share. You can stuff. find me on Facebook. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, send a comment. Uh, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can email me at mattcastro at evansvillechurch.com. Um, and, uh, and also you can actually, you know, comment on this video. Sure. Do that. Um, I think you also, when we do our audios, I think you can comment on the, when we post the, the audio versions through Podbean and stuff. So, uh, and I think the, the biggest thing, if you do like this, um, and you think these issues are important and you, and you want, these are, I think these are good, would be good things to share yes. on Facebook. Yes. 
Um, so I'm giving you, after all this spiel about Facebook, we're giving you the the, the kind of the, the thumbs up and the go ahead. Share these these videos or share the audio versions uh, to people that you think would be benefited from this. Um, because, yeah, we want you know more people to listen. Sure. Not because we want glory or fame, right. but th- these issues are, are part of our world. And uh, they're issues that the Bible obviously speaks about. Um, and we want to make that known. We want to make, connect those dots between social, cultural issues, political issues, and how the gospel is the solution to these issues. Um, and uh, people need hope, and they need uh, you know solutions to problems. Wisdom, yes. And wisdom. The world's just going to continue to say, hey, here's a problem, 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 problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's the solutions? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I don't really know what the solutions are, but the Bible does do that. So we want to make sure we connect the hope and solutions of the gospel to these issues. And and so there we go. This has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. All right, see you later.